Father in heaven, we're just so glad this morning that we can sing of our Redeemer. Oh, how precious He is to us. Our Lord, our Savior, our coming King. And Lord, as we spend this time together today with each other and with you, we pray that you would indeed be here with us. Thank you for the time you've given us through this week. I pray, Lord, that as we finish our time together this day, that we will not be disappointed, that you will have met us once again and brought us a fresh blessing from above. We want to open our hearts to you. We want our lips to be free, Lord, to sing your praise. We want our hearts to be able to be unburdened by the cares of this world by the anxieties that can press around us, and that we may have a full hope and faith in you. So Lord, please hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'm just going to take just a few short minutes this morning just to wrap a couple of things up and... Just a couple final thoughts. You know, after yesterday I finished, I thought, oh, I wish we had another several hours. There's so much I would love to share. Um, just in, uh, you know, dialogue here together. I just wanted to make sure another point. It's okay if you have three meals a day. I just want to make sure you know that. <laughs> I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. And so I hope everyone got my point about all those things, that we want our life to be constantly growing and be closer in harmony with the Lord. And, the, and not everything isn't the same for everybody. I hope I made that plain. But after yesterday, I thought, Lord, I hope no one misunderstood that. And... But I will say it is healthiest not to eat between meals. And that's a discipline that I think will be a blessing to you. But two meals, three meals, whatever works for you. But I I do want to emphasize also that principle, though. Not eating a big meal at night will greatly impact what happens in that uh, early morning hour. I said I wanted to say something briefly about uh, memorizing Scripture. I do think it's important for us to memorize Scripture. And I mentioned the other day that there's a chapter that Ellen White says we should memorize, and that's Isaiah 53, but there are several chapters that she says we should memorize, like 1 Corinthians 13. When I do pre-marriage counseling, I ask those, the, you know, the bride and groom-to-be, for them to memorize that chapter because it is the great chapter of of love. But there is an app, it's called Scripture Typer. There's a website, scripturetyper.com, and if you go on the website, it's free. But I set all my children up with accounts, so they can go on, they can practice their memory verses and, and that kind of thing. But it's just a great tool. For years, I just did it on cards and punched a hole and got like those rings and 
and I'd have my memory verses there. But it's just amazing how much that strengthens your walk with the Lord when you're when you come into a difficult situation, the Lord just brings a memory verse to your mind and just gives you that strength. And that's why, uh, that just proves Psalm 119.11, right? And what does that say? Your word, by hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And so, the other thing is, you know, when I look at something like this, I think, How strong would we be? How strong would our homes be? How strong would our churches be if we were careful to keep that walk with Jesus each and every day? I'll tell you, I can imagine that there are some right here in this room who are having a personal and extraordinary revival in their life just in a few days of doing this. Imagine week after week, month after month, year after year, the strength that builds upon strength in your walk with God. You know, we're praying for today's prayer focus for the campground is revival and reformation. And I cannot help but believe that these are the foundations of it. And where our walk with God, it just everything springs out of that. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, but it's out of the abundance of our time with God that our character shines, shines forth. And so I just... I just believe that God can give us an incredible revival. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in this. And if you fall down, like I said, get right back up. But lead your family. Teach them how to have that devotional time. If you have children, get, I mean, I don't care how old they are. Teach them from infancy that the first thing is to seek the Lord their God. And as they grow, they won't know anything else they won't nothing else will matter to them as much as seeking their father in heaven and being connected to Jesus and having the spirit of god in them there's also a point here i wanted to make and it came to me very forcibly in my my study this morning and and i i want to make sure i convey that even in the teaching <laughs> the teaching of this but in my study this morning, and I shared with a few earlier, I was looking at John chapter 10, where Jesus is the good shepherd, and Ellen White brings out the point in The Desire of Ages, page 480, that it's not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow him. It talks about we see his great love for us, and that awakens love in us to follow him. And that to me is, is a key factor. I, I don't want to be motivated to spend the time with the Lord in the morning because I'm afraid that if I don't, I'm going <laughs> to, or if I do, it's going to be this. But I want it to become, I see his love for me, and I just long to be in his presence. 
That's why when you come to the Psalms, you can see that, that I delight to do thy will, O God. That, uh, is it uh, Psalm 16? Is, uh, I just love this, uh, this Psalm here. If you turn with me here, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we just love to be in the Lord's presence. And I'll say that love is a much better motivator than reward or punishment. (laughs) You know, that's a principle that I've tried to learn even in the raising of our children, that, yes, I punished them. And I believe the scripture, spare the rod, <laughs> spoil the child. It's fun. I'll tell you, when, when we were reading through Proverbs together this year, you know how fun it is when, <laughs> when your son starts reading, you know, you know, where it says, my son, keep your father's command. <laughs> and do not forget the law of your mother. <laughs> And I just look at him and he'll start laughing, you know. <laughs> I mean, just the joy of that. And so I'm not saying we don't have those. And that it's, it's wonderful to be able to do good things for our children. But regardless of anything, I want them to know that I love them. And whether I'm disciplining them or whether I'm treating them, that they know that I love them. And it's such a much better motivator. And it just endears those to us. The reason why I share that is because there's a big, I think I mentioned it the other day, but I just want to underline it again. There's a big temptation for us when we start to get things put right to expect those around us to start putting things right. And let those around you see the love of God in you. Let them see the great transformation in your own life. And then we can be teachers and also be teachable and help hopefully be an influence for good as we draw them closer to the Lord as well. So there's so many more things I wish we had time to share, but I do want to spend the most important time together, and that is going through a complete <laughs> devotional time. So just as a little quiz, what are the things you want to have ready in the morning? Yep, all right. So you always want your water. No, I mean, you want your notepad, you want your card, you want your Bible, you want your, your lesson plan, your reading. And, and one thing I, I don't want to forget to see, the one thing I didn't mention is when you have incredible answers to prayer, write them down, and, and, and those, are, those are important. The prayer requests, you know, when you have your list of people that you're praying for, I mean, just look back through that and be able to see what God has done in that, and that's a wonderful thing. So we have all those things. you got your highlighters, your pens, and those things. I will say when you're not at camp meeting, it is a lot easier when you, <laughs> when you don't have things all scattered around. And 
Is that everything? Okay, we're going to transition now and, and begin. So what would we do first? We'd pray, right? And since we're actually doing it, I always kneel when I seek the Lord in my prayers in the morning. So I, I'm going to kneel this time and I invite you to kneel with me as we seek the Lord's blessing as we study together. Father in heaven, we are just so thankful that you have awakened us this morning. Thank you for the rest. May not have been as many hours as we would have liked. And yet how good you are to us, to awaken us this morning. We pray, Father, that you would draw near to us once again. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, you know what we need to hear and understand today. You know the path that you've laid out for us this day. Lord, we just pray that you might prepare us for that. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that yearn to follow you. Thank you, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So our scripture reading today is Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18. So we're going to go to all three today. So Matthew chapter 19, what's so neat when you actually compare these is you do get to see a fuller picture, and then when you come to the spirit of prophecy, it's like, you know, just a well-rounded, beautiful picture. Matthew 19, verse 16 through 22 This morning we're looking at the story of the rich young ruler. Matthew 19, verse 16. Now behold, one came to him, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about earning your way to heaven? Is there anything good that we can do to have eternal life? The answer is no, right? There's only one way we have eternal life, and that is by the merits, the blood of Jesus. But do we want to do good things? (laughs) Absolutely. So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? So what could what are you thinking about in this? There may be some things missing, but what is the Lord speaking to your heart in? What do I lack? Lord, what is it that still lacks that you want to do in my life? The other thing that enters in my mind is that it's true. The I want to make sure I say this correctly. The ticket to heaven is perfectly keeping and obeying the law of God. Well, there's only one who has done that from humanity, and that is Jesus. So that's still the, Elmo's very clear on that. That is the prerequisite to entering heaven, is perf- the perfect keeping of the law of God. But can we do that? Only with Christ living his life within me. So, Lord, what what do I lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, Lord, I want to be perfect. (laughs) I do want to be perfect. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that probably too loudly around. (laughs) People say, oh, you're not perfect in this, this, and this. But in that secret closet, Lord, I want to be perfect for you. I want to be perfect. He says, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So if I want to be perfect Lord, what is it that you would look in my life, say, what is it that I lack in that? So just take a moment. I mean, is the Lord bringing things to your mind? I can think of some things that the Lord's bringing to my mind that I really, I do want Him to to fix in me. So I'm, I'd be praying for that. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, yes, Lord, I want to be perfect. I do want to be perfect. But I know, Lord, that I can't do it outside of you. I can't do it outside of you. Do you Lord, do I want to have treasure in heaven? Do you want to have treasure in heaven? Whatever it is, Lord, I want to give it to you, and I want to come and follow you. But the young man, when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So my mind thinking, what kind of emotion did he have when he came to Christ? He he must have felt pretty good. <laughs> I, I, he probably thought pretty highly of, of himself. He was hopeful. When he's confronted with that, he went away sorrowful. 
what was the deception in his mind that his his riches without his riches he would be what nothing and maybe sorrowful not happy but he goes away from Christ with all of his riches and what is he he's sorrowful oh isn't that amazing so I'm thinking about that Lord Whatever I think my emotion might be, really, if I don't give it up, that's probably what it's going to be. But if I come to you, I mean, what if he would have given all and he would have followed Christ? What would the testimony probably be in Scripture of him or in the spirit of prophecy? I mean, Lord, I, what I gave, it was nothing. Compared to what you gave me, tenfold, fiftyfold, a hundredfold in this life and a life to come, eternal life. I mean, there's nothing. So I'm praying that. So let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And starting with verse 17. Mark is my favorite account of this story. And everyone's is different, but this one's mine. I'll tell you why in a moment. Now as he was going on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So what added picture do you get? He comes running to Christ, and he falls, at, uh, falls before him, kneeling before him, and says, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, Honor your father and your mother. So just a fuller picture of that. And of course, on these, you know, if there's a sin in the life, what's the Holy Spirit going to be doing if you're reading this as if God is speaking to you? You're going to be convicted of it, right? And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And that's why I love this one most. Just that picture. So this young man, he comes running to Christ. He kneels before him and he says this, this interchange. And Jesus looks at him. And scripture says that he loved him. When someone that loves you looks at you and loves you, can you tell that? Can't you? I hope when we <laughs> look at our children, our wives, or your spouse, that they can tell that we love them. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. Probably in giving Bible studies, probably the hardest thing I've seen people be able to realize is that Jesus truly loves them. And 
And I've mentioned before, you know, I've realized, you know, that's been hard for me to believe sometimes too. And I look at me, Lord, how could you, you know, the saying, you know, that's, uh, how do they say that's a face only a mother could love? <laughs> so, but, you know, this, when the Lord looks at us, we're so, oh, Lord, how can you love us with that? But the Lord looked at him and loved him. So just imagine that. If you think through the week, you've learned that the Lord's, what is, what is Jesus' voice towards you? Tender and full of mercy and love. And then what is his look towards you? It's with love. So imagine it. Imagine Christ, you're in your devotion time, you're here, you're reading this account, and it says if Christ is speaking to you, and he's looking at you, and what is he doing? He's loving you. Isn't that incredible? And then he says to him, with that great love, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. So Christ adds, I mean, the picture is a little broader here. There's a cross to carry. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Yes, there's an attachment to that. Are we attached to worldly possessions? We need to become less and less attached to this world. Luke 18, just the account of this continuing. Luke 18, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is Good, but one that is God, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. <laughs> what did Jesus say about the rich? How hard it is. How hard it is. Lord, is it hard for me? Do those things have an attachment with me? Is... Are possessions and money so important to me? Do I not have in my heart a desire to give all to you? Chapter 57, desire of ages, one thing thou lackest. We see... Now when you read this, you'll know which account it comes from, right? And when he had gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Where did that come from? Mark, right? 
Isn't that fun? <laughs> the young man who asked this question was a ruler. Where do we see that? In Luke. He had great possessions and occupied a position of responsibility. He saw the love that Christ manifested toward the children brought to him. He saw how tenderly he received them and took them up in his arms and his heart kindled with love for the Savior. So he's watching this. And just the character and life of Christ draws his heart after Christ. And his heart is kindled with love for the Savior. He felt a desire to be his disciple. Wow. He was so deeply moved that as Christ was going on his way, he ran after him. And kneeling at his feet. So he sees this, his heart goes out, and what does he do? He says, I cannot let him get away. So he runs after Christ, falls at his feet, and asked with sincerity and earnestness the question so important to his soul and to the soul of every human being. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Why callest thou me good, said Christ? There is none good but one, that is God. Jesus desired to test the ruler's sincerity and to draw him and draw from him the way in which he regarded him as good. Did he realize that the one to whom he was speaking was the Son of God? What was the true sentiment of his heart? So when you read that, what are you, what's coming to your mind? What would you be, how could you be seeing Christ speaking to you and you pleading with him? Yes. So, Jesus, do I see you as this today? Do I see you as the Son of God? And, Lord, do I have a true sentiment in my heart for you? <laughs> Lord, is, is, am I sincere? Lord, I want to be. And if I'm not, Lord, make me sincere for you. Make me sincere for you, Lord. This ruler had a high estimate of his own righteousness. Lord, do I have a high estimate of my own righteousness? Am I so easily offended? Am I going around thinking that I have a higher stature than others? Lord, what, how, how do you see me? Lord, I don't want to have a high estimate of my righteousness. He did not really suppose that he was defective in anything, yet he was not altogether satisfied. How often I probably have felt that way, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, I am Laodicea. 
Lord, don't let me be one who feels in need of nothing. Help me to recognize that without you, I am not altogether satisfied. And let me not be complacent in that. I don't want to learn to go through life not altogether satisfied. What a miserable thing that would be. <laughs> right? I mean, who here wants to go through life not altogether satisfied? I want the satisfaction that abounds in the goodness of the Lord. Yes, yes. It goes back to Isaiah 55. Why do you spend wages for that which does not satisfy? So I'm, I'd be praying for that. He felt the want of something he did not possess. Lord, in my life this morning, is there something that I feel that I don't possess in you? I'll tell you, I can be on the top of the mountain one day, and the next day I can feel like I'm just lacking that, that possession of the Spirit of God upon me. And so, do I feel that want, Lord? Do I feel when you're not close beside me? Do I sense it, or, or do I go through the day, and then at the end of the day, do I finally realize that you weren't with me? <laughs> No, Lord, I want, to, I want to sense if I don't have that. Could not Jesus bless him as he blessed the little children and satisfy his soul want? Is that your prayer this morning? For Jesus to bless you? Lord, bless me. Satisfy my soul's desire. In reply to this question, Jesus told him that obedience to the commandments of God was necessary if he would obtain eternal life. And he quoted several of the commandments which show man's duty to his fellow men. The ruler's answer was positive. All these things have I kept from my youth. Up. What lack I yet? Christ looked into the face of the young man. So while you're reading this, you train your mind to see this. Don't just read it. Imagine it. God has given us an imagination. The world has twisted that, but use it for good. Imagine this. Christ not looking into the face of that young man alone, but Christ looking into your face as if reading your life and searching your character. He loved him. And he hungered to give him that peace and grace and joy which would material, materially change his character. No, I think right here, Lord, as much of a blessing it was for that rich young ruler to see Jesus with the children, the prompting of the heart to chase after Christ, for him to see the look of Christ's love toward him, this morning I have even greater manifestation of Christ. Do you know why? I know what Jesus was thinking. Look at this. He loved him. We knew that, right? He hungered. This is Jesus. So he's looking at him with love and what is in Christ. There's an earnestness in Christ 
to give him that peace and grace and joy, which Jesus knew would materially change his character. I mean, just to think about it, we have a greater blessing, a greater knowledge than that man did when he was in the presence of Jesus. And all I can say is, thank you, Lord. And I know that the Lord is hungering to give me peace and grace and joy. And if I will accept it, what is it going to do in my life? Oh, <laughs> it is going to change my life. And, and I don't have to think about what this is going to do to my life next week or the week after. Think in the immediate. Too often we pray for a blessing for the future. We need to learn to pray for blessings for now. <laughs> Lord, give me this now. One thing thou lackest, he said, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Christ was drawn to this young man. So, at first it looked like the young man was drawn <laughs> just to Christ, but Christ is what? He's drawn to him. Isn't that a beautiful picture that Christ has drawn to you? Jesus does love me. He's drawn to me. He knew him to be sincere in his assertion. All these things have I kept from my youth. The Redeemer longed to create in him that discernment that would enable him to see the necessity of heart devotion and Christian goodness. So what am I praying? Lord, Create that discernment in me. I want to be like Solomon. Lord, give me that wisdom to discern between what is good and what is evil. Enable me to see the necessity of heart devotion. So what does that tell me about my time with God in, in devotion? My life of devotion? Is it... Something that is, should be casual or deep and focused and a necessity. <laughs> what does necessity mean? Can't do, it with, can't do without it. I can't do without you, Lord. I can't, nor do I want <laughs> to do without you. He longed to see him in a humble and contrite heart, conscious of the supreme love to be given to God and hiding its lack in the perfection of Christ. Wow! Lord, give me that humble and contrite heart. Give me that consciousness. This morning, give me a consciousness of the supreme love that I should give to God. In all of my lack of perfection, I want to be perfect, but if I lack it, what? I hide it in the perfection of Christ. Jesus saw, and I'm going to underline that one for me. 
That's just powerful. Jesus saw in this ruler just the help he needed if the young man would become a co-laborer with him in the work of salvation. So Lord, just as you saw that in him, I know that you see that in me this morning. If he would place himself under Christ's guidance, he would be a power for good. In a marked degree, the ruler could have represented Christ, for he possessed qualifications, which if he were united with the Savior, would enable him to become a divine force among men. So what is that? I mean, that's incredible. That connected to Christ... He would be enabled to become what kind of force? <laughs> Does that not thrill your soul? How many of you would like to have a divine force in your home? <laughs> when you're interacting with your children as a parent, to have a divine force there. Lord, do that for me. I want to be that divine force. Not in a... Not in the sense that Lucifer wanted that height of heaven, but with humility and an earnest desire to lead people to Jesus. Christ, seen into his character, loved him. Love for Christ was awakening in the ruler's heart. For love begets love. Whew. I hope you're underlining some stuff. So what does love beget? So if you love your spouse, what is that going to do? <laughs> do you know how many times I've sat in marriage counseling and my prayer has just been, Lord, if they could only love. All the mountains that they see, all the things they're complaining about in each other, Oh, I, they would be seen in such an entirely different light. Love begets love. And what does also love do? It covers what? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad Shelly loves me. <laughs> Jesus longed to see him a co-worker with him. He longed to make him like himself, a mirror in which the likeness of God would be reflected. Is that not a prayer of your heart this morning? Lord, I love that you long, that you long to make me like you. And I long to be like you. Make me a mirror, Lord in which the likeness of Jesus will be reflected to those around me today. Can you see as you pray this, does it not start to shape the path that the Lord has you for, the leading of the Lord in your life in that day, that path? So what's going to be in the front of your mind? You want to be that mirror to reflect. He longed to develop the excellence of his character. 
To me, that's incredible that the Lord can shape us. Philippians 1.6, He who has begun a good work in me, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, you're doing that work in me, and you want me to be excellent. God wants me to have an excellent character. Know what comes to my mind when I think of that? Purity of speech. The way I handle myself around others. Carefulness in my work. Care, that's Character is not just something that's on the inside. It's the outflow of the work of the life. The Lord wants to make us excellent. The Lord is going to elevate me. He's going to sanctify it to the master's use. If the ruler had then given himself to Christ, he would have grown in the atmosphere of his presence. Lord, if I give myself to you this morning, I know that I'm going to grow in the atmosphere of your presence. Is that not a promise? Do you want to grow in the atmosphere of his presence? You know, I might think about what that means. Lord, what would it mean if I were to grow in the atmosphere of your presence? You know, I, I imagine it in two ways. One, you know, I'm going to grow in Christ. But also, I want the atmosphere of his presence to grow. <laughs> That, Lord, wherever I go, I want that atmosphere of your presence around me. If he had made this choice, how different would have been his future? Lord, my choices today will shape my future. Aren't you thankful that doesn't... It does matter what we've done in the past to a degree. I understand that. But what matters more is what I choose today and forward. And when I say it matters what happens in the past, because some, some choices, they do affect the rest of our lives. You know, if I was not careful with a saw and chopped off my arm, I may not have an arm the rest of my life, right? <laughs> That's what I mean by that. But choosing Christ today, how different, Lord, could my future be with you? One thing thou lackest, Jesus said. Jesus saying that to me, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Christ read the ruler's heart. The Lord's reading our heart this morning. Only one thing he lacked, but that was a vital principle. He needed the love of God in the soul. This lack, unless supplied, would prove fatal to him. 
his whole nature would become corrupted. By indulgence, selfishness would strengthen that he might receive the love of God. His supreme love of self must be surrendered. I'm underlining that. By indulgence, selfishness would strengthen. Love of self must be surrendered. Lord, what are those things that I indulge in? What are those things in my life that I tend to be selfish in? And I know, Lord, that unless I let you change this in my life, it's not just going to be one area that is reserved from you. My whole nature will eventually become corrupted. Lord, let my supreme love of self be surrendered to you. Christ gave this man a test. He called upon him to choose between the heavenly treasure and worldly greatness. The heavenly treasure was assured him if he would follow Christ, but self must yield. His will must be given into Christ's control. The very holiness of God was offered to the young ruler. He had the privilege of becoming a son of God and a co-heir with Christ to the heavenly treasure. Lord, that is what your call is on my life. But he must take up the cross and follow the Savior in the path of self-denial. So you're praying, Lord, help me to pick up the cross and follow you in this path of self-denial. You can see how as you pray through this, the themes often repeat and it just ingrains it on your mind. It just it etches it in stone on your mind. Christ's words were verily to the ruler the invitation, choose you this day whom you will serve. The choice was left with him. And dear brothers and sisters, that choice is left with us even this morning, right here. He had the privilege of becoming a son of God. Oh, did I skip a... Or did I, I lost my place. Oh yeah, Jesus was yearning for his conversion. He had shown him the plague spot in his character. And with what deep interest he watched the issue as the young man weighed the question. Something that we don't always think about, Christ sitting there watching us in that valley of decision, weighing the cost of heaven or the cost of the world. What will we decide? Let's imagine how Christ must weep for us. If he decided to follow Christ, he must obey his words in everything. He must turn from his ambitious projects with what earnest, anxious longing, what soul hunger did the Savior look at the young man 
hoping that he would yield to the invitation of the Spirit of God. Every power of Christ bent, just pleading that this young man would choose him. Just let your mind imagine Christ doing that for you. I know it gives me comfort as a parent, but I know Christ is doing that for my children. Amen. Christ made the only terms which could place the ruler where he would perfect a Christian character. His words were words of wisdom, though they appeared severe and exacting. Sometimes, following the word of God, it can seem severe and exacting. You know, for some of you, when I said don't eat between meals, that might have sounded <laughs> severe and exacting. <laughs> And accepting and obeying them was the ruler's only hope of salvation. His exalted possession, a position and his possessions were exerting a subtle influence for evil upon his character. If cherished, they, were, they would supplant God in his affections. To keep back little or much from God was to retain that which would lessen his moral strength and efficiency. For the things of this world are cherished, However uncertain and unworthy they may be, they will become all-absorbing. I'm underlining that. It doesn't matter if it is a love of sports, a love of work, a love of cooking, a love of a TV program, a love of music, a love of fashion, a love of display, Whatever it may be, it may seem so little in our eyes. But if it's not given to Christ, it'll become all-absorbing. The ruler was quick to discern all that Christ's words involved, and he became sad. If he had realized the value of the gift offered, of the offered gift, quickly would he have enrolled himself as one of Christ's followers. If we could just contemplate just for a moment and understand what it is that God is offering to us. If he would have just looked at that face of Christ for a moment longer. How does the song go? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And then what happens? Oh, if he would have just looked into Christ's face. He would have quickly enrolled himself. He was a member of the honored council of the Jews, and Satan was tempting him with flattering prospects of the future. He wanted the heavenly treasure, but he wanted also the temporal advantages his riches would bring him. He was sorry that such conditions existed. He desired eternal life, but he was not willing to make the sacrifice. Are you willing to make that sacrifice this morning? I know that as we've been going through this, the Spirit of God has been speaking to your heart. There is something that we could give to the Lord today. Where was I? The cost of eternal life seemed too great. 
and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. His claim that he had kept the law of God was a deception. He showed that riches were his idol. He could not keep the commandments of God while the world was first in his affections. He loved the gifts of God more than he loved the giver. Christ had, had offered the young man fellowship with himself. Follow me, he said, but the Savior was not so much to him as his own name among men or his possessions. Wow. To give up his earthly treasure that was seen for the heavenly treasure that was unseen was too great a risk. Can you believe it? He saw it as a risk. Lord, let me never see the things of heaven as a risk. He refused the offer of eternal life and went away. And ever after, the world was to receive his worship. How many times have you heard someone say, well, we hope that later on he turned back to Christ. We hope that maybe he woke up and realized his mistake. But what does this say? He never did. When he turned away from Christ, he never turned back. Friends, let's not take that risk. Today is the day of salvation. Thousands are passing through this ordeal, weighing Christ against the world, and many choose the world. As I go through this, I'm going to read through the rest of this. I'm going to try to reframe myself. You think, I hope you're doing it already, but think how you'd be praying this prayer for your life, okay? Like the young ruler, they turn away from the, they turn from the Savior, saying in their hearts, I will not have this man as my leader. Christ dealing with a young man is presented as an object lesson. Those are key words. I can't refrain. An object lesson is something we should study, right? And learn from, visualize, understand. God has given us the rule of conduct which every one of his servants must follow. It is obedience to his law, not merely a legal obedience, but an obedience which enters into the life and is exemplified in the character. God has set his own standard of character for all who would become subjects of his kingdom. Only those who will become co-workers with Christ, only those who will say, Lord, all I have and all I am is thine. Will be acknowledged as sons and daughters of God. All should consider what it means to desire heaven and yet to turn away because of the conditions laid down. Think of what it means to say no to Christ. When it says think of it, what should we do? Should take a moment and think about that, right? <laughs> The ruler said, no, I cannot give you all. Do we see the say the same? Lord, is that what I say to you? The Savior offers to share with us the work God has given us to do. 
He offers to use the means God has given us to carry forward His work in the world. Only in this way He can save us. The ruler's possessions were entrusted to him that he may prove himself a faithful steward. He was to dispense these goods for the blessing of those in need. Everything I have, Lord, use it how you wish. So God now entrusts men with means, with talents and opportunities, that they may be his agents in helping the poor and the suffering. Lord, when's the last time I helped the poor and the suffering? He who uses his entrusted gifts as God designs becomes a co-worker with the Savior. He wins souls to Christ because he is what? A representative of his character. What a promise. To those who, like the young ruler, are in high positions of trust and have great possessions, it may seem too great a sacrifice to give up all in order to follow Christ. But this is the rule of conduct for all who would become his disciples. Nothing short of obedience can be accepted. That's powerful. Self-surrender is the substance of the teachings of Christ. Often it is presented and enjoined in language that seems authoritative because there is no other way to save man than to cut away those things which, if entertained, will demoralize the whole being. When Christ's followers give back to the Lord his own, whose is it anyway? <laughs> it's already his. They are accumulating treasure which will be given to them when they shall hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising this shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy of seeing souls redeemed, souls eternally saved, is the reward of all who all that put their feet in the footprints of him who said, follow me. Oh, amen. So then I go back through and what am I going to write down as my treasure for today? So you can see why sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I write down more than one. But discipline yourself to not write down too many because remember why? It's hard to remember them all. So what is it that I need for this day? Are you writing yours down? Now, I do want to make it very clear that, you know, I talked through it with you, but when I would go through it myself, I would be praying that to the Lord, right? So instead of talking to you and telling you what I'd be thinking, I'd be saying those things to the Lord. So the whole time is a prayer to God. And so now, 
you're going to your knees, and what are the things that we'd be praying for? You remember? What are some things that we'd be including? We have this. That is the, just the burden the Lord has placed on our heart for us, for our character for today. We'd be praising Him. I might find a psalm or something that I'm going to just shout to the Lord and just thank Him. I'm going to be praying for my family, my church family, for the Lord's leaders, for His work, for those that I'm laboring for. Be praying for those requests that have come. I'm going to be asking the Lord, as the Lord has revealed those things in my life, I say, Lord, forgive me for this. What do I need to do about this, Lord? And then I'm going to be praying for these things here, for the Lord to do that in my life. So let's go to our knees. You can see, can you see how time, you need time with the Lord? Is it would be pretty hard to do that in just a couple of minutes, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I also want you to see how just by the space of time, there is just a, a settling in the presence of God. It just, I mean, all the cares of the world just kind of sweep away, and you're just in the mountain with God. And then you go to your knees in prayer and plead that. And then after your prayer or before your prayer or sometime, what else would you do? You'd make a kind of joyful noise to the Lord, right? And we call that singing. <laughs> so I think let's sing before our prayer today and then we'll pray. Also for those who have been here, I have your discipleship handbook. They're up here. If you haven't been here through the whole week and you really want a discipleship handbook, after everyone else has that's been here, I, for those who didn't know, I told those who came through the week, I had that as a gift for them. But if I have any extra, I'll be happy to uh, share that with you. So that's that. And then I'll stick by for a few moments if anyone needs to talk. But let's sing a song together. And... The one I sung uh, this morning, I want to sing, a, I think we may have sung this one already here, but it's such a blessing to me. Uh, hymn number 321, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Did we sing that one already? Or I'm just thinking when I sing it myself. That's in the, I'm not sure what it is in the green hymnal. What number? 79, wonderful. So let's sing two verses of that, 320, uh, 79. My Jesus, I love thee. Seventy-nine, we'll sing first and fourth. Now you're singing this kind of in a prayer to the Lord. I, Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, of sin I resign 
Join me in prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, if ever there was a time that we loved our Savior, it's now. Oh, Jesus, we love thee. And we know that you are ours. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. And thank you that through Jesus we see you. How we want to be like you. Just think of this beautiful psalm that, that if we do dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That you are our refuge and fortress. And in you, O Lord, we put our trust. Lord, we are just so grateful that you have set your love upon us. Because you love us, you will deliver us. And you long to set us on high because we have known your name. O Lord, how we want to know your name. How we want your name to be written upon us, and to be known by your name. And that we will call upon you, and we know that you hear us, and that you will answer us, that you will be with us this day if there is trouble, and that you will deliver us from whatever may be before us this day. And with your presence with us, Lord, we are always honored. And Lord, we know that you long to give us that life that satisfies, an eternal life that endures forever. For you have shown us your great salvation. Oh, Father, I plead that you would forgive us of our sin. Lord, I just pray that you would polish those areas of our life, that you would refine us this day, that we would be as tried as gold is in a furnace, that we would come out gleaming to be that mirror that reflects the glory of God. 
There may be specific things on our hearts this morning, Lord. We lift those to you. Forgive us for them. We don't want those things in our lives. And we claim victory over them in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we lift up our family, our children. Lord, we have their names written upon our hearts, and it gives us courage to know that they're also written upon yours. We lift them by name from our hearts to you right now, Lord. Put your angel at their side this day. Surround them and keep them, Lord. May they see your love through us. And may they go to reflect that love in their influence to those around them. Keep them this day, Lord. Help them to make good decisions. If they are caught in hard circumstances, Lord, give them the way of escape. Lord, I pray for our church families. I pray for revival and reformation. I pray, Lord, that we will earnestly seek you day by day together. I pray, Lord, that you would give us unity and refocus in the mission that you've called us to do. That together we could arise and shine because the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. I pray, Lord, for our conference, for Elder Gallimore and Elder Mitchiff and Elder Brooke. All the leaders, Lord, I lift them to you. Pray for our union conference, for our world field. Lord, I just pray for the mission field, that your work would go forward. Lord, on my mind right now, I lift once again those special requests that people have entrusted me to pray for. And I lift them to you once again. Lord, there's some that are just such burdens on my heart. I just pray that you would work, that your name would be glorified in each of their lives and through each situation. And Lord, may we see the picture of Jesus once again this morning. Him looking at us and loving us, yearning for us to be connected to Him. May we always remember that love begets love. Help me to remember that, Lord, when I feel frustrated or impatient. Help me to remember that, Lord, in dealing with difficult situations. Help those around me this day to see that I love them. Lord, I pray that any indulgence in my life, any indulgence that strengthens the selfishness that is naturally within me, that I could put away. And Father, I pray and plead that I might be once again that mirror in which the likeness of God would be reflected. That I keep Jesus always before me today. That I would know that indeed in His presence is joy forevermore. I pray, Lord, lastly for each one here. Bless them, Lord, and keep them in you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.